It's the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Kyle Krabs here, host of Locked On NFL Scouting. Join Joe Marino and me every day as we provide position-by-position analysis of the upcoming NFL Draft. Check out the Locked On NFL Scouting podcast with the Draft Dudes on YouTube or wherever you listen to your favorite podcasts. You are Locked On Dolphins, your daily Miami Dolphins podcast. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. What's up, Dolphins fans, welcome to another episode of Locked on Dolphins. I'm your host, Kyle Krabs, Director of Scouting at thedraftnetwork.com, Managing Editor of USA Today's Dolphins Wire, Lifelong Miami Dolphins fan, and Constructor of Big Boards this week. Fear not, I've heard the questions. If you missed the end of Monday show, Kyle, where the heck was Power to the Pod on Tuesdays? That's supposed to be our show. I hear you. Power to the Pod's on Friday this week. It'll be our last Power to the Pod before the 2021 NFL Draft. We're going to make it count. We're going to go out with a bang. We're going to sweep into the weekend with a lot of noise. Today is pass rushers. Tomorrow is pass catchers, tight end slash wide receiver. And then on Monday next week, we're going to slap it all together. We're going to make a position of need, primary positions of need for the Dolphins, big board. We're going to stack it all together. We're going to combine all the boards that we did this week And then we're going to wait until Thursday, Friday, Saturday and see how many of those players and how high on the list they were eventually become Miami Dolphins when the 2021 NFL Draft rolls around. I am stoked. I'm ready to rumble. I'm ready to go. I don't know if you could tell or not. I'm going to try and bring the energy today on the show. One of the reasons why I'm a little juiced, I have a big time soft spot in my heart for the pass rush, the art of the pass rush. Uh, Throughout the course of my time in draft coverage, had a chance to watch a lot of great pass rushers come through, had a chance to talk to and talk ball with a number of really good pass rushers as well, including one of the guests that we had over on the Draft Network's uh, Draft Dudes podcast that I co-host with Joe Marino, Brian Burns of the Carolina Panthers. Absolute treat to talk pass rush with and watch some some of his plays and see him uh, hear him vocalize what we were seeing on film. So it's one of my favorite positions to scout. Uh, I think the Dolphins are a unique intersection of art of the pass rush, systemic style of play, uh, ideologies that feature a lot of schemed pressures. Uh, I'll say this again. I know I mentioned this last week, but if you have not watched Coach Vass, V-A-S-S, on YouTube, he has a two-part series on Patriots 5-0 blitz packages and pressure packages, and all of those clips come from the Patriots Super Bowl run in which Brian Floor was, was the defensive coordinator. So a lot of that is directly applicable to the Miami Dolphins. It's phenomenal. It's like 45 minutes worth of content, film breakdown, uh, terminology from the Patriots system. And the Patriots do a lot, and ergo the Dolphins, as we saw this past year, especially particularly uh, what they broke out to play against the Rams in Miami. Sick first career game at Hard Rock Stadium for me uh, against the Los Angeles Rams. That was pressure packages, schemed looks, understanding where the opposing team is going to go with their hot routes, uh, trying to murky up the shallows and manufacture free runners. It's kind of a weird spot because I think the Dolphins do need to upgrade their organic pass rush. When you got to send four and drop seven into coverage, 
or drop eight and send three, you need a couple of guys who stand a chance to win some one-on-ones understanding that you don't have a numbers advantage. It's going to have to happen if you're going to challenge the Buffalo Bills in the AFC East. They don't have that player right now. A couple opportunities to get that guy either developmentally or plug and play. So what we're going to do today is we're going to explore by tier how I think the pass rush prospects stack up in this year's NFL draft. And we're going to start at the top. So top of the list for me, perceived first round pass rushers in this year's class. I have four. Uh, there's a couple of fringe guys uh, that we'll end up talking about when we get into the Tier 2. Uh, but the way I stack the Tier 1 players as it pertains to projecting to the Dolphins and their ideologies. Jalen Phillips from the University of Miami is one. I cannot speak to the medical questions and concussions that prompted a medical retirement at UCLA and the wrist injury. I don't know what those medicals look like. The Dolphins have to vet that, and there's a very real chance the Dolphins could flunk him on his medicals, but I just watched the Dolphins take Tua Tungvalu with the number five overall pick on almost complete blind faith that he was going to end up being okay and be capable of playing. So um, the, the Dolphins are not... Chris Greer kind of has this knack for being tabbed as you know hitting singles and doubles and best player available that falls into your lap, and... Uh, He's more than willing to swing for the fences in my eyes. And if Jalen Phillips is there at 18, you want to swing for the fences, draft Jalen Phillips. Uh, but Jalen Phillips is the number one edge defender for the Dolphins on my personal assessment of the class versus the Dolphins' needs, followed by the rest of Tier 1, Michigan's Quiddy Pay, Washington's Joe Tryon, and Penn State's Jason Owe. Excuse me, I do have a, I do have a fifth. Aziz Ojolari from Georgia, and he's five for me for the Dolphins. I don't think he's a great fit. We're going to talk about that in a minute. Jalen Phillips. Let's talk about his athletic profile. Six five and a half, two hundred and sixty pounds, over thirty three inch arm length. And I know some of these top names: Phillips, Pay, Ojolari. We talked pretty extensively about their pros and cons on tape and their strengths on tape when we did the pros and cons of drafting an edge rusher at 18 overall. That podcast ran last week. So if you missed that show, definitely go listen to that if you want to hear the deep dive on the top tier pass rusher fits for Miami as perceived predictively. Um, I do think Joe Tryon and Jason Owe from Penn State have a chance to sneak into the first round. We'll talk about those a little bit more in depth because we haven't touched on those players, but Jalen Phillips... Best defensive film in the class, point blank period. For my money, best defensive film of any prospect in this class from 2020 when he was healthy. Prototypical stature. It doesn't matter whether you're going to play him in a stand-up two-point stance, a three-point stance, you're going to kick him into the B-gap. He can move all over the place. He's a masterful pass rusher. It's one of his top physical comparisons for his pro day testing versus the NFL Combine historically is Jadavion Clowney. He was at number one pick. And Jalen Phillips is more refined as a pass rusher than Jadavion Clowney ever was. Ever was. Number one. Number two, Quiddy Pay. Again, Quiddy Pay, higher floor as a player, more sturdy on the rundowns, in my opinion. Um, a little less flashy, a little less developed and advanced as a pass rusher. 
but you'll probably get early down reps out of him fairly early on. He could step right into the Shaq Lawson role for you and have more explosiveness, if nothing else. And hopefully you can cater and develop him along uh, to be a player who has an immediate third down impact on your team. Uh, but you would still be dependent, in my opinion, if Quiddy Pay is your pick, on some of those pressure packages to manufacture some free runs and twists and stunts and loops and so on and so forth. Number three is a new name that we have not talked about. Joe Tryon from the University of Washington. My comp for him is Montez Sweat, who obviously went to the Washington football team, was a first-round pick. They traded up to 26 to get him the year that they drafted. I think that was the Dwayne Haskins year. Uh, but Joe Tryon sat out, University of Washington, he sat out the 2020 season. His measurables, 6'5", 259, 34-inch arms. Okay, so from a height, weight, reach perspective, he's the most prototypical out of the top three names that we mentioned. He ran a 4.68, which is 82nd percentile for defensive ends, a 1.64 and above average 53rd percentile 10-yard split. Uh, he was above average in every athletic test with the exception of the bench press, and he had 34-inch arms. So you understand the longer those arms are, the longer the levers are, the more force that's required to move the same amount of weight. It's understandable that he didn't throw up the bench a whole bunch. Vertical was 74th percentile, broad jump 60th percentile, three-cone drill was 58th percentile. So like a plus athlete, just not he's not as fluid as Montez Sweat, but I see a lot of the same players. Some of his comparables, according to mockdraftable.com, the spiderweb chart. Robert Quinn, Sean Merriman, Justin Smith. Some good names on this list. Uh, Drew Tryon. He's a bit of a blend of some of the other names on the pass rusher list, honestly. Uh, he has the size of Pay. He has the pass rush prowess of Aziz Ojolari in that he's one-dimensional. And I don't think he takes corners particularly well. Uh, so, you, But you think about a lot of Patriot-style ends, whether it's Trey Flowers or Dietrich Weiss. These guys, they don't win with explosive first step and bend like a Harold Landry would uh, out of Tennessee with the Titans. But they win with length and heavy hands. And what they do is they don't play at steep angles. They reduce the angles they have to turn on offensive tackles with popping their hands and converting speed to power. And I think Joe Tryon can do that. Uh, Joe Tryon is a sleeper candidate where if Miami moved off at 18, uh, I would not be surprised if he was somebody that they viewed as a candidate to step in uh, because he can give you reps right away. Uh, now, like Pay, I don't think his pass rush ceiling is particularly high, but he's logged his fair share of wins as a pass rusher. He logged eight sacks and 12 and a half tackles for loss in 2019 as a sophomore for the Washington Huskies. Productive player. Uh, just a small sample size, and we didn't see him, and I would have loved to have seen what his development could have looked like in 2020, but he made the decision that he deemed was best for him. I'll be interested to see how the Dolphins in general handle opt-outs, but not knowing, in his case, is almost more appealing 
than knowing and it turning out the way that it did for Jason Owe from Penn State, in which he really struggled from a pass rush perspective, uh, but put up just ridiculous numbers at the Penn State Pro Day. Uh, so he's fourth on this list because from a stature perspective, he's 6'5", 257. 34 and a half inch arm. So built very similarly to Joe Tryon. Uh, but instead of being like an above average pass rusher, get this, ready? Uh, 99th percentile in the 40 yard dash, 87th percentile in the 10 yard split, 96th percentile in the vertical jump, 99th percentile in the standing broad jump, 94th percentile in the three cone, 90th percentile in the short shuttle. This is like a 95th percentile athlete here. This is We're talking about Micah Parsons being a 95th percentile athlete versus Kyle Van Noy being a 40th percentile athlete. This is like Shaq Lawson's like a 55th percentile athlete and Jason Oway's like a 97th percentile athlete. So if you want more athletes and guys that you can mold, Jason Oway moves the needle a ton. The challenge with Jason Oway is that you're almost starting from square one as a pass rusher. He showed very little in the way of refinement, pass rush plan, understanding how to get his angles right, how to get his steps in sync with his hands to attack opposing tackles. Now, if you're just going to manufacture free runners and have him loop and hope he's coming and uncovering into uh, a wide-open gap on the interior because you got two gap penetrators inside of him on your pressure packages, the more power to you. Maybe Jason Owe is the guy. But I would certainly hope and wish that Miami took an interest in bringing in a guy who had the ability to win organically off the edge in one-on-ones. Because if you take Jason Owe out there as a team who's expecting to compete this year, you take Jason Owe, you put him out there on third and ten, he's going to get locked out and he's going to end up getting to the top of his corner not having what he needs to turn the corner, giving up, locking out, and manufacturing no rush unless the quarterback is flushed into his lap. His ceiling long-term might be the best. He doesn't have the injury issues that Jalen Phillips does. He's longer than Quiddy Pay, and he's more explosive than Joe Tryon. But for year one... That's the big question for me. Are you still drafting for the long term? Or are you drafting guys that can help you now and in the long term? It's a fascinating question. And then Aziz Ojolari, again, we talked about him a little bit on the pros and cons of drafting an edge rusher at 18. Just not quite sure he fits. Much like some of the offensive linemen like Rayshon Slater, uh, I'm just not quite sure he fits the bill for what the Dolphins are looking for off the edge. 6'2 and a quarter, under 150 pounds. He's got good length at 34 inch arms, uh, but his agility is 25th percentile in the three cone drill. It's it's tough. Like he would have to play the Van Ginkle role. And as we said on that other show, uh, Van Ginkle was a plus, plus, plus athlete on all the tests. He was just raw because he was coming out of Wisconsin as a Juco transfer and played two years with the Badgers. Somebody will draft Aziz Ojolari in the first round. I'm just not sure I would advocate for beating the Dolphins. So you put him last on the Tier 1 pass rushers, knowing full well by the time you come around to pick 36, he's probably going to be off the board, and he's not going to be there for you as a best player available scenario. 
Today's episode is brought to you by 1010, a capsule collection of diamond rings that are responsibly sourced, limited edition designs at fair price points. 1010 is an exclusive collection of 10 creative styles of diamond rings designed by 10 of the most distinctive designers working today, rings sure to bring joy into her life. Using only diamonds responsibly sourced from Botswana, 10 female design masters have each produced a uniquely beautiful ring. Ideal for engagement, Mother's Day, or simply a beautiful conversation piece, they're the perfect way to bring light into her life. They're available now through Mother's Day only at BlueNile.com. Just search the words 10 by 10. This collection features high-quality fine jewelry that will surprise and delight and fairly priced, so you can give her something special and truly meaningful. If you're on the hunt for the perfect, unique ring she'll treasure forever, you're definitely going to want to check this out. They won't be around for long. So find them now by searching the words 10 by 10 only at BlueNile.com. And if you're looking for the diamond ring of protein bars, boy, do I have good news for you. Built Bar is a protein bar that tastes like a candy bar. I got so ahead of myself pitching Built Bar as the world's best protein bar on yesterday's show that apparently, I've been informed by some of the listeners, I build it as a candy bar. It tastes like a candy bar. It's that damn good. High in protein, low in calories, low in sugar, high in fiber, 100% chocolate on all 18 flavors that they have for your selection. Keto-friendly, something on the go, something for breakfast, something post-workout. You name it, Built Bar can be it. So visit BuiltBar.com, use promo code LOCKED15, and save 15% on your next order. That's BuiltBar.com, promo code LOCKED15. Save 15% on your next order of the world's greatest protein bar. Coming back in, we're going to talk about day two pass rushers. And if you're interested in a little different experience around the NFL draft this year, I got good news for you. The Locked On Network is partnering uh, with my world's colliding here, the Draft Network, to cover the NFL draft live for all three days this year. Get insight and analysis from Locked On local experts and TDN's national experts. It's going to be carried in a ton of places. You can visit the Draft Network, uh, brinks.tv. B-R-I-N-X dot TV, the Locked On NFL YouTube channel, all over the place. Ton of opportunities to watch. I'll be on screen for a little bit. You'll definitely get my Dolphins reactions live on the air, so I'll do my best to keep it dialed in and focused on the task at hand. But uh, it's a big draft, and I'm excited for the opportunity for TDN to partner with Locked On and bring you guys the best possible draft coverage that we can. So we're getting ready to rock on that front. But anyway, one of the days we'll be on is day two. We'll be on days one, two, and three. And day two pass rushers in this year's class. Uh, You'll probably notice one of the missing names from the day one group was Gregory Rousseau. He makes the cut here on day two, but he's not the top name on the list. Uh, So if I break down day two, we had five guys in the first round. Day two, Wake Forest defensive end Carlos Basham checks in at one. Gregory Rousseau checks in at two on the day two list. Seven overall. Peyton Turner from Houston is three overall on day two. Eight overall on the entire board. Janarius Robinson from Florida State. Nine overall. Four overall on day two. Joseph Osai from University of Texas at 10. Another five guys. Uh, so let's start with Carlos Basham Jr. Carlos Basham Jr., Boogie Basham. My working comp for him is, ironically enough, Shaq Lawson. Uh, he's what we wanted slash expected 
Curtis Weaver to be, who was the fifth-round pick, who was perceived to be a higher selection than that coming out of Boise State before there was some apparent uh, questions off the field. There was some medical stuff. He, of course, gets hurt. Opening weekend of (laughs) training camp gets cut outright, claimed by the Browns. It's not a good omen for Curtis Weaver. We'll see what he makes of himself, rooting for him, but... Uh, some of the athletic comps for Carlos Basham based on mock draftable are interesting. The top hit is Shaq Lawson. I'm proud of myself for that one because I thought of that before I got the pro day numbers and saw what it looked like. Uh, Chris Long, former top pick from 2008. Uh, John Simon, who's been a, a Patriots system staple for a couple years now between the Patriots and Texans. and Marcus Davenport, Dewan Smoot. Some good football players in this group. So... Carlos Basham Jr., 6'3", 275. 32 and 7'8 inch arms, so just short of 33s. That's perfectly fine length. It's not ideal, but it's perfectly fine. He ran a 4'6", 2 in the 40 at his pro day. Uh, he had an above 50th percentile 10-yard split of 163. 10'2 in the broad jump, that's 85th percentile. 68th percentile three cone, 76th percentile 20-yard shuttle, short shuttle. So fairly athletic and dynamic for 275 pounds. And one thing we know about the Dolphins is they love guys who are dense. They want guys who can move you against your will or hold the point of attack regardless of what side of the line of scrimmage you're trying to play on, offense or defense. We've seen the trends on the offensive line. Uh, it's less prominent defensively, uh, and it especially gets murky when you're trying to factor in hybrid linebackers and pure defensive ends and guys who are hybrid players who can play inside-outside. So it gets a little murky there, but that Shaq Lawson comp really helps sell this. Now, Shaq Lawson was a first-round pick for the Buffalo Bills. I think Carlos Basham could potentially be had somewhere around 50 overall. There are teams, Green Bay Packers are one, uh, that some people that I know who I value their opinions of the NFL, and particularly Green Bay, seem to think that there's an outside chance he's their choice in the first round. Uh, Owen Reese is one of those guys. Uh, Definitely recommend checking him out on Twitter if you're a big fan of offensive line play. Uh, So if he's there, great. Uh, If not, I, I don't think edge at 36 makes a lot of sense for Miami unless one of the tier one guys falls. Like Jason, if Jason always there at 36 and you opted to go with two offensive players on day one, like how am I going to get mad at using that athletic potential at 36? Now, I'd still probably like you to take a later guy, double dip on the pass rush, try and make sure you have enough pieces there to have competition to push everybody to get better so somebody can step into that role early on in 2021. But that's the, that's the pathway for me at 36 is a tier one guy who drops. These tier two guys, they're probably in conversation starting at 50. Uh, Specifically with Carlos Basham, there's a clear pathway for him being on this roster because, hey, his number one athletic comp was a guy who just signed a three-year, $30 million contract with the Dolphins last offseason. Adds up. Gregory Rousseau. My top comp for Gregory Rousseau. First of all, some of the um, mock draftable comps for Gregory Rousseau, who came in at 6'6", over 6'6 six, six and a half, 266 pounds, over 34-inch arms, so plus length. Carl Nassib, Carlos Dunlap, 
Jason Pierre-Paul, Quentin Copels, Cameron Jordan. Interesting spectrum and scope of comps, right? My pathway for success for Greg Rousseau has him playing a Jadavion Clowney-esque role in which you're asking him a lot of times to play defense on the interior. And if that sounds crazy to you, just hear me out. He did not have a great pro day, Gregory Rousseau. 17th percentile in the vertical jump, 30 inches. Uh, a three-cone drill of seven and a half seconds, which is 15th percentile. Short shuttle, 25th percentile. Change of direction skills were not good. Lower body explosiveness, 53rd percentile in the broad. That's good. But where he really stood out, he had a 157 in the 10 yard split, which is arguably the most important test for pass rushers because it's measuring your first step. 266 pounds. Gregory Rousseau, uh, his 157 in the 10 yard split, 95th percentile since 1999 for defensive ends. That's a great number. So if you're Miami, I want to stack a little bit of weight on this guy. And I'm going to ask him to play in the B-gap and be a penetrator, a base end, a four-eye, a five-tech. I don't want him wide-angled and trying to crash in off the edge. But Gregory Rousseau won a lot as a freshman, redshirt freshman, with the University of Miami in 2019 on those inside looks. So that's the pathway for Gregory Rousseau. So he's a little different than everybody else that we've talked about. But if you do get him up to 280, you know, I think there's an opportunity there to play him inside. He can still have the twitch to beat guards out of their stance, shoot gaps, use his length to disrupt throwing windows, and be right in your face. That's my pathway for Gregory Rousseau. Uh, I expect he'll probably be there close to 50. Although I think the ship has sailed on Gregory Rousseau as a guy who opted out in 2020 and did not test great. He was leaner but not dynamic, other than his 10-yard split. That's a bad recipe for a guy who did not play this past year. I will expect he's going to slide a little bit in the draft, unfortunately, but Miami could be a team that's poised to, to benefit from that. Peyton Turner from Houston is interesting. He's really interesting. He is a traitsy, traitsy, traitsy guy, so he, 6'5", 268, 35-inch arms. He's got vines for arms. Uh, his three-cone was 84th percentile. His vertical was 78th percentile. His short shuttle was 76th percentile. He did not run a 40, but I don't really care. His top athletic comp, according to MockDraftable.com, is one Chandler Jones. Other names, Dietrich Wise, another Patriots pass rusher. Ziggy Ansa, Preston Smith, now the Green Bay Packers. He's got some good athletic comps here to work with. Predictively speaking, he's probably a guy you'd have to take the bat off your shoulder and swing at and get at 50. So the tier, there's no tier two edge rushers that are in consideration for me at 36, but each of these top three guys are in consideration at 50. And then you have Janarius Robinson from Florida State, who is the uh, quote-unquote first-off-the-bus type in which you see him and you know he's immediately a football player. 6'5", 265, another 35-plus inch arms guy. Uh, he ran under 4'7", 4'69", which is 82nd percentile at that size. Uh, his broad jump was 82nd percentile. 
He's very raw. Coming out of Florida State, I think it's a big indictment on Florida State staff that uh, he's a big-time recruit and did not develop at all. And you can make an argument that he's no better leaving Florida State than what he was coming in. But I did think the light bulb came on for him a little bit as far as addressing and separating from blockers early on. He's a consideration guy for me at 81, a little bit more of a developmental type. But man, he's got everything that you could possibly work with. And you'll recognize some of the other names uh, on his top comparisons athletically. Peyton Turner, Joe Tryon, Greg Rousseau, prospects from this year's class, Preston Smith, who we just talked about, Cameron Jordan, who we just talked about, Dietrich Wise, who we just talked about. So again, this is a guy from that build perspective. These are the kinds of defensive ends that Patriots-style defenses, including Miami's, have targeted for quite some time. And then the last day two guy who I just, much like Aziz Ojolari in the Tier 1 group, if he's there in Tier 3, then yeah, you have that conversation. You talk about him, but I really don't think he's an ideal fit for Miami much like Aziz Ojolari in Tier 1, where if he's there on Day 2, you have that conversation, but you're expecting him to be gone by then. Joseph Asai from University of Texas. He is 6'3", 256, 33-7-8-inch arms. So he's okay from a size perspective. Uh, ran 4'6", 3, very explosive in his jumps. Uh, he was 94th percentile in the vertical, 93rd percentile uh, in the broad jump. 19 reps on the bench press was 36th percentile for 3-4 backers. If you project that to defensive end, uh, he's in like the 16th percentile. And Joseph Asai for me was just a guy who won a lot with wide angles, motor, and hustle. So much like Aziz, I think he's probably a guy for the Dolphins that projects into the Van Ginkle, Vince Beagle role. And while you're encouraged that he tested as explosive as he did, I think it's notable that he didn't run agilities uh, because I didn't think he cornered particularly well, like Ojolari. So he's a smaller guy who doesn't corner well and doesn't have the power of some of the other guys in the group. So that's why, for me, you acknowledge he's going to go on day two, so he's a tier two guy, but he's probably not going to be for you. Football season may be over, but Bet Online has plenty of sports action for you to get on it. It's the fastest and easiest way to get all of your bets in. NBA, MLB, and NHL all in full swing right now. Bet Online even covers awards, TV shows, and reality television with real time updated odds and props on just about anything that you can imagine. Bet Online has you covered for all the news, scores, and odds and is the best way to place your bets. Plus, it's free to sign up. So head over to the website or use your mobile device to sign up today and receive a 50% welcome bonus on your first deposit using promo code LOCKED ON. Bet Online, your online sportsbook experts. If you're looking for the most comprehensive NFL draft coverage this offseason, look no further than the Locked On NFL Scouting Podcast. Join the draft dudes, Kyle Krabs and Joe Marino, as they go position by position through the NFL free agent class and into the star-studded crop of college stars who will be selected in the 2024 NFL Draft. If you want to know who your favorite NFL team should be adding to its roster, you need to check out Locked On NFL Scouting. Available on YouTube and wherever you get your podcasts. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network. Your team every day. The Ultimate Mock Draft 2021 presented by Locked On and Odyssey is happening now. Featuring analysis from NFL experts Michael Irvin, Jason Lockham, and Brian Baldinger are local experts for every team 
making trades, and picking the next stars for their respective teams. Search the Ultimate Mock Draft 2021 on the new Odyssey app or wherever you get your podcasts. Odyssey is your home for all of the sports, podcasts, music, and news that matters to you. That's A-U-D-A-C-Y. And we are on to day three. I have a saying regarding the NFL draft. The middle rounds are the money rounds. So day one, first round, everybody's expecting to get a starter on day one. Some teams don't, but that's the threshold and expectation. Dolphins went two out of three last year. Quarterback, offensive tackle. Let's look for the year two jump. Day two, rounds two, three, and the beginning of day three, round four, and technically five. The more started, the better you can hit relative to the competition in these areas, the better off your football team is going to be because the variance of outcomes here becomes very extreme and you have to catch lightning in a bottle to get some hits. I do think there are a handful of hit opportunities for the Miami Dolphins. In the edge group, on day three, not 10 plus sack a year kind of guys, but guys that can fill strong roles with on your roster and can be solid rotational pieces. Top name for me, I got 10 names in this group. I'm not going to go deep dive into all these names. I'm just going to talk about them briefly. Jordan Smith from UAB, former recruit to the University of Florida, big time athletic potential. Ellerson Smith, Northern Iowa, senior bowl guy, undersized a little bit. He's one of those guys in the 250s. Wins with speed, totally raw, but shows some good pop with his hands. Good explosiveness, great athlete. Atacumbo Ogundiji. I've mastered this name because you guys corrected me when I was all about him three months ago. A couple of Notre Dame listeners to the show. Ogundiji. This guy's got vines for arms, like 36-inch arms. You can talk about separation skills, hand usage. He's a power rusher. He's going to be able to collapse angles. The ceiling's just not as high. He's not as good as of an athlete as some of the guys we talked about in Tier 1 and Tier 2. Ronnie Perkins from Oklahoma may be a Tier 2 guy predictively, but I could not put him there. He's similar in strengths and weaknesses to Joseph Asai, but he's like a 65th percentile athlete instead of being like an 85th percentile athlete. I don't think he's a fit for Miami, but he's up here because predictively speaking, he's probably going to be a day two guy. So if he's there for you in round four, if you find a fourth round pick, or round five, you need to have that conversation. Dale Odingbo from Vanderbilt, Torres Achilles, uh, but super toolsy guy. He's played inside, outside, hybrid front guy. Uh, the injury is going to drop him, and because it's an Achilles, you're probably not going to see a lot of return on investment in year one, if any. But somebody's going to get a great developmental guy to take a shot on. And Odingbo might be a guy for the Dolphins on day three. Victor Dimukeji from University of Duke. Uh, another one of these dense defensive ends prototype He's not going to blow you out of the water with anything that he does, uh, but physically speaking, he has the mold, and you're going to hope you get your hands on him and develop him into a guy who can persistently have plus value on the early downs. 
Patrick Jones II from Pitt. Patrick Jones, uh, good length, good size, productive player. Uh, I His ability to turn corners is problematic, and he is a little bit more angular with his build, so he does struggle a little bit to collapse those offensive tackles and play with power with consistency. I think he feasts a little bit on some ACC competition for some of his production, but you're getting into to, to rounds five and six at this point. Um, he may be going by there predictively, but if, if for the Dolphins' sake, you're, you're talking round five for Patrick Jones. William Bradley King is interesting. He, went, he ended up going to Baylor. I guarantee you, I guarantee you he's going to go to Carolina predictably because they're going to overdraft him by two rounds because he was one of Matt Rule's kids, and Matt Rule did that last year with James Lynch from Baylor. But he went to Arkansas State originally, and he's built like Janarius Robinson. Like, he looks like a prototype. You said, let's build a 4-3 defensive end in the lab and spit him out. That's what William Bradley King looks like. Cameron Sample from Tulane, another senior bowl guy. He's interesting to me because he's a hybrid player. He's 6'3", 275, lines up inside, outside, lined up at a two-point stance as an outside stand-up outside linebacker. Uh, Tulane used him in a lot of different ways, but when I watched him on tape, he did not flash to the same degree in which he flashed at the Senior Bowl. So the optimism side of me says, okay, he got into an environment with different coaching other than what he got at Tulane, and it unlocked some of his athletic potential a little bit. But the pessimist in me says, well... The Senior Bowl is an environment that is constantly skewed and geared towards an an advantageous environment for defensive players in the pass rush one-on-ones because you have so much space to work. But as a day three guy, 5'6", round 5'6", yeah. Chauncey Goldson is the last name for me. 6'4 268 pounds, uh, long arms, leverage and, and pad levels, a bit of an issue there as far as consistency there. But he plays really well outside in. He's going to be a base end. He's going to not be a sexy player, but he's probably going to be. You guys remember Matt Roth? Like, he's, he, I, he strikes me as that kind of a player, as what his ceiling is as a prospect. So, in summary, the Tier 1 guys, in order, Jalen Phillips, Pay, Joe Tryon, Jason Owe, Aziz Ojolari. I think the top two are in consideration at 18. Anybody else would have to be a trade down Except for Ojolari, he'd have to be there at 36 for me to have, have him in consideration. For me personally, for the Dolphins to view it as good value. Now, if the, the Dolphins deem one of those guys as quote-unquote their guy and they draft him before that, we're going to put him under the microscope and we're going to search to understand why they chose to make that decision and we're going to try and project them as best as we can and look at it from understanding why the team made the decisions that they did. Tier 2, Day 2 guys, Carlos Basham Jr., Wake Forest, Gregory Rousseau, Miami, Peyton Turner, Houston, Janarius Robinson, Florida State, Joseph Asai, Texas, Basham Rousseau, Turner in consideration at 50 for plus or good value in my eyes, Janarius Robinson in consideration at 81 for plus or good value, Joseph Asai is kind of a, if he's there and you have the need to fill and you're comfortable with him transitioning into the Van Ginkle role, then you can have that conversation as a value pick later on day two. And then tier three guys, the day three prospects, Jordan Smith, UAB, Ellerson Smith, Northern Iowa, Atacumbo, Ogandiji, Notre Dame, Ronnie Perkins, Oklahoma, Deo Odingbo, 
from Vanderbilt, Victor Demukeji from Duke, Patrick Jones II from Pitt, William Bradley King from Baylor, Cameron Sample from Tulane, Chauncey Golson from Iowa. Let's see if the Dolphins draft multiple, and if they do, how many are on this list? Let's see if the Dolphins draft one, what tier and bucket it falls into. That's going to be a really fun exercise is exploring the combinations that we can come up with based on, okay, we got these guys in this tier, these guys in this tier. You pick your combination of how to make it work and see what you can come up with. We'll do that next week. So keep it locked in right here on Locked On Dolphins. I'm your host, Kyle Krabs. Thank you so much, as always, for listening to the show. I hope you guys enjoyed. Tomorrow is past catchers. Friday is power to the pot. So we have a great finish awaiting us. Make sure you hit subscribe. Don't miss it. Fins up. Hey, Prime members. You can listen to this Locked On podcast ad-free on Amazon Music. Download the Amazon Music app today. Is your team eliminated from the playoffs and in need of reinforcements? Maybe it's time for a rebuild, or maybe they're just a player or two away from taking home the Lombardi Trophy. Either way, join Keith Sanchez and Damian Parson for Mock Draft Monday on the Locked On NFL Draft Podcast. They'll tell you which college football stars your team will be taking in the 2024 NFL Draft. Check out Mock Draft Monday on the Locked On NFL Draft Podcast, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day.